0: Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic.
1: Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to
0: the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself doing the work that you do because it's really interesting and fun and and unique. And so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Oregon. And I originally went to school for my master's in marriage and family when I was in Vegas, um, went to school out there. And at the time that I was going to school, I was also a middle school counselor, working with junior hires. Um, That was a great, great, great um, job and full of adventure and a lot of different things working with those kiddos. People often told me, you know, how can you work with those kids? And I would say to them, how can you work with high schoolers? Um, (laughs) So yeah, but I loved it. I loved working with junior high. Um, I also did my practicum at the wellness center that was connected to the school that I was at. And um, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved working with with families, with couples, with um, adolescents, just doing a lot of that. I was also doing a lot of parent workshops, um, just doing a lot of parent education. And in that time, I felt like uh, I wanted to go a little bit deeper and start to really do the therapy work full time. And so that's when I uh, looked into what other opportunities, what other options that I had um, in the process of of do, of kind of like reevaluating and and get, mind you, this was just in my practicum, um, probably the end, maybe I think I graduated and then I was still kind of contemplating, okay, what do I really want to do with this, this opportunity, this, uh, this education I just invested in, what do I really want to do? Do I want to do outpatient? Do I want to still continue to be a school counselor? what exactly do I want to do? And, and I really felt like I wanted to do something experiential. And so that means just, I wanted to kind of get away from the traditional route of therapy, especially when working with adolescents. Mm-hmm. I felt like as I was working with adolescents, I don't know, there was just something missing. The, the day in and day out of seeing their clients um, one by one right afterwards was a little bit, it seems a little bit um, closed for me in terms of um, just adventure and really being able to connect with adolescents and work with them um, in a way where it's not so traditional. It's not so talk therapy. Um, I felt like talk therapy is super, super helpful, but there has to be another way to actually work with these kids as well too. And so I was told by a colleague of mine who was also a marriage family therapist living in Utah, he knew that I, on the side, love the outdoors. Um, I loved to you know, be out in nature, go hiking, um, camping, something that I came to really love um, years ago when I was in Las Vegas. And I found it found I found a lot of healing in that. And so in that process, um, yeah, that that meant a lot for me with this, this colleague of mine knew that that's what I love to do. And so contacted me and said, Hey, have you ever heard of what's called wilderness therapy? Uh, Which was interesting because at the time, I remember telling my husband, like, I wish there was a way that I can put two of my loves together, which is uh, outdoor adventure with mental health. If only I knew how to do that. And my colleague told me about it. And from that point, I was just like, what, how did I not learn about this? I didn't even learn about it in grad school. Um, And I researched it and realized that it it was its own entity and own umbrella of, of, of you know, just treatment for a specific demographic and group of kids that are struggling and families that are in crisis. And so I just continued to research. I researched all the wilderness therapy programs and uh, found the one that I felt like was the most, um, the, that had the most resources for families altogether, not just individual therapy, but more resources for the whole family. And as I um, research that I was like, you know, that's the goal that I want to make. I want to work for that company doing this work. Uh, and I, um, I realized that it's a pretty competitive field and I needed to have some experience in residential long-term treatment rather than outpatient. And so, uh, through the grapevine and through supervisors that knew about me being in the outdoors and doing therapy in a non-traditional way, they, they referred, uh, a a residential program that was looking for a therapist. And this was about two hours north of Las Vegas. It was a ranch. And this ranch worked with at-risk youth, boys and girls. And they were looking for a therapist to travel and come and do therapy with them. And so the supervisor referred them to me. They contacted me. And I, I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is actually under the umbrella of kind of wilderness therapy, even though it's not necessarily outdoor adventure um, therapy. And so I decided that I'm going to go and I'm going to work there and I'm going to get the experience I need and and, and do it. I fell in love with it. So I um, quit um, working outpatient and school counselor, transitioned and went to working for this um, residential place for about two years. And I learned so much. That's where I learned so much experiential in this place. I worked with um, clients with horses, we weld, we did carpentry, we um, <laughs> herd cattle, we did gardening, there's a lot of gardening going on there. Um, it was just a lot. It was very experiential cooking. I mean, all types of things. That's the way I worked with the, with, the, with my clients. And I just loved it. I loved it. And so um, from that place, and just being there for two years and learning, getting everything under my belt, that's when the doors opened for me to actually apply for evoke therapy programs where I work right now they have two locations one in Utah one in Cascades in Oregon and I my husband and I felt like hey let's move to Oregon instead of Utah we want to be in a different climate different you know seasons and so we did that and and I started at evoke therapy programs in April of last year moved to Oregon in March of last year so it's coming up a year now but yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of my background in terms of professional, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's really cool, because I think that, I mean, you know, you mentioned not having learned about that specific type of therapy in grad school, and there's so many different approaches out there, like literally we learn a a smidgen of, of all the different ways that you can work with people, and I think that a lot of the time, um, we get pigeonholed or like feel limited by our ability to work with people because traditional talk therapy is, you know, one hour in an office and that's it. You know what I mean? Like limited contact throughout the rest of the week. And I always say at this point, you know, as a therapist, I'm like therapy is not enough, you know, like not (laughs) traditional talk therapy. So I love that you found a way to, to be able to put your two passions together um and it was already out there and if it's not out there then how do you create it like someone had to have created this at some point you know and so I love that you're able to find your way to that and 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 kind of like live your purpose you know uh so that's really cool I and mean, that's really exciting and who knew there's like so many different ways to do things
1: and options if you're willing to kind of put yourself out there and and seek it out you know Oh well, yeah it's, it's the idea of being creative in that way um I like to say that's what I am. I don't, I don't talk about being a creative so much, but I know that's what I am. I was, was always into the arts. I did, you know, theater growing up, sang growing up. <laughs> um, it was a moment in time where I loved to draw. Um, and so, so I've always identified myself as a creative, but it's been so neat to learn how to be a creative, even within the creative. It's not just singing. It's not just drawing. It's not just theater. Like it's so interesting. And so I'm finding all these like elaborate ways of how we can help and work with people and teach people or help people work through their trauma and things like that. And so um, this is what's, this, this is, this is what it's taught me in in so many of these different ways. And so I think this is how we can connect with um, the generation that we work with now.
0: I love that. Yeah. I think that I personally take the stance that everyone is creative in some way, shape or form. They just realize it (laughs) um me like math has to be creative being a therapist is creative because your your sessions aren't scripted right like it's Mm -hmm. improv so everything's about creativity and I feel like people have problems because they get stuck um kind of implementing the same cycle or implementing the same solutions to the the problems that they've got and forgot how to get creative and coming up with different things to try because everything is trial and error so that's one of the ways that I kind of see, like, how do you help people get unstuck? Well, it's Mm -hmm. helping them to tap into the creativity in their conflict resolution or conflict management skills and their ability to, you know, change up their perspective and use their imagination. And so I love that you work with your clients on like very hands-on experiential um, ways to, to experience life different, experience themselves themselves differently through, through, um, the work that you guys do. And so that's really cool. So then is it just um teenagers that are, are out there, or can adults
1: go, or what does that look like? Are there different like departments? Yeah, good question. So yeah, wilderness therapy, because often people say, like, when I say I'm a wilderness therapist, they're like, What do you do? Give their like do therapy for <laughs> treats for the, you know, and I'm like, no. Um, good guess. But yeah, it's it's for it's for adolescents. So I particularly work with adolescent boys and they're prime not. There are, I, I've worked with a number of different demographics when it comes to clients, but specifically in wilderness therapy, I love and my niche and my passion is to work with adolescent boys of color. Uh I work with adolescent boys of color that ranges from age 14 to about eight to 17. Uh and I also from time to time I work with young adult, um, male or female, and that's about 18 to about 25. Um And so, so yeah, so wilderness therapy across the board serves adolescents, and they serve young adults. Uh, And it, it, it often is a, my clients stay for about, three months. I think it's about eight to 10 weeks that they're out there, two to three months. And that's obviously depending on the client and depending on their circumstance and then their context. Uh, But they, yeah, they're out in, in nature. I mean, we use the back country of the Oregon lands Uh, We have a summer location and a winter location where the winter location is more desert. The summer location is a little bit more, you know, the national forest and they're out there and they're outfitted. They have all their gear, everything that they need. They have it. They're taken care of. Um, We have a team of departments within wilderness therapy. We have the field department operations department. We have the field staff that really, Everybody is the heartbeat of this program, but the field staff are like amazing. They're jewels of this of, of the program and what we do because I like to I like to think of them as an extension of myself. And they are the ones that are out there day in day out with these clients, um, with our adolescents or our young adults. They typically work eight days on and six days off, and so they're out there with the kids. They're backpacking, they're hiking with them, they are camping with them, um, and you know really really implementing the treatment plan that I provide them. Hey, this is what we need to do with this adolescent. This is what they're struggling with. This is the issue here. And how this is how we can better support them um, day in and day out, even when I'm not out in the field. Um, I'm typically out in the field two days a week, I camp out there and just spend time with them and do experiential work with them. Uh, But the staff are definitely mainly out there, um, longer periods of time duration of time with those kids. But yeah,
0: what a cool job. That sounds really interesting. Um, And it's making me think of the next question and kind of my own experience, because I've worked with, with young people in different settings. So I worked with, um, you know, adolescents in juvenile detention centers. So, you know, the at-risk youth that then begin to have serious problems or, you know, having to deal with, the system and, and mm-hmm. the law. Um and then I also had worked with kids at a nonprofit after school All stars. So that was kind of like preventative, right? We're trying to use these after school programs to keep them from ending up in juvie. Um yeah. and then now I work at a charter school which is a little bit cushy. And so I'm seeing the kids while they're in school and trying to help them to learn how to regulate and you yeah you know, deal with the school day and the greater lessons that they learn from the school day that are going to help them in life. And so when I think a lot about, you know, the lessons that they teach me by being out there while I'm on lunch duty and, and watching how they interact on the playground and, and how resilient kids can be because like, Mm -hmm. it's rough out there. It's like a war zone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's like kicking balls and footballs and whatever. And like kids get like hit in the head with a soccer ball and they're just Mm -hmm. like, Bounce back, you know what I mean. And I'm like, yeah. lesson in life. Like sometimes life is gonna hand you some lemons, and you're gonna have to make lemonade. And I'm like, this is exactly like what a great way to embody that by watching some people <laughs> on the playground. So I wonder, <laughs> what is some of the the lessons, some of the greatest lessons that you've learned thus far through this work that you're doing, either you know in your work or just in life. Like, what are some of the greatest lessons that you have picked up so far?
1: Oh, that's such a loaded question. Um... Yeah, my greatest lesson. I'm still learning so much. I had the pleasure of, you know, I have a boss who wrote Journey of the Homework Parent and is in a process. His book is about to be released, Audacity to And he's been supervising me and mentoring me and things like that. And I learn something new from him all the time, you know, with some of the things that he shares and says. And there's always new lessons that I've learned. Uh, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned with being... Being a person of color, um, doing something that is not uh, known in the community, in the black community. Nature was not a thing that I grew up with. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone else about this, that, that in, my, in, my, in my family, in my history, when my mom talks about nature, she talks about when she was in Haiti, because I'm Haitian, Haitian descent. And my mom was in Haiti, and her idea of going out in the wilderness or going out in nature was her, her going to the mountains to pray you know, just to pray. Uh, I remember she often talks about how she was pregnant with me. She was in Haiti and she went up to the mountains and she just wanted, she had had um, several miscarriages um, prior to that. And she went up to the mountain just kind of saying like, you know, God, like, please help me keep my child and open up the door for me to be able to go to the US. And she was able to migrate to the US um, due to just my her relationship with my father. That was an opportunity to give it to her. And that's what she talks about. When she talks about nature, she talks about it in that way. It wasn't to go out to nature to experience nature for what it was, but more so it was a place of, of spiritual awareness, um, for her, um, having to do with her life and the life decisions that she had. And so as I hear that, and then I see my journey from, you know, years back to now, not growing up, knowing the outdoors or being in tune with it or connected to it until about 2010 when I decided to take kind of a sabbatical from work and from just some stuff that I was doing. I needed a sabbatical. I decided I'm going to take a sabbatical and I'm going to go to the mountains at Red Rock because I heard that it's beautiful and I'm going to do what people call a hike that I've heard in my culture here. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to go walk around the mountains and see how it is. So I like Google what to bring when you go for a day hike and I got, went to Walmart, picked up some stuff, cheap stuff, you know, um, and like the basics, the basic essentials for hiking. And I went there and I went hiking for about like, um, each day for like four days in that three weeks, didn't stay out there. I was too scared, but I went hiking and it was, it was amazing. Like it was such a spiritual and emotional and physical experience for me, emotional and everything. And I just loved it. And that birthed um, this love for the outdoors. But the one thing that I noticed is that I didn't necessarily see a lot of people of color on the trails. I didn't see people that looked like me, which was um, something that I already was too familiar with is because I was born and raised in Jersey and lived in Excess County. I was born in North Jersey, lived in the Oranges, um, moved um, and had to Hackensack, like 20 minutes away from the George Washington Bridge, moved upstate New York and then moved to Vegas. Um, and oftentimes I have always been the only person and so I felt familiar in that place of being the only on these trails but I knew it was like there needs to be more people like there has to be more people so as I started be, you know my career and got into wilderness therapy and where I am right now and why I work primarily with adolescent boys of color is because I, I there is a there there is such a benefit to being in nature there's such a benefit to being in the center of what's so big in creation um it makes you feel small sometimes, but it also makes you feel powerful in some ways. Uh, And I also am aware, so this is some of the lessons, I'm also aware of a lot of the distorted and fragmented narratives that we have about nature um, based on culture, especially the Black culture, African-American culture. There's a book, I'm in my, okay, so I'm in my doctorate degree right now and I'm studying and researching a lot about outdoor adventure and um, specific Cultural groups, and there's a book by Carolyn Finley, "Black Faces and White Spaces," and she talks about the narrative of what the outdoors is like for um, African Americans or people, certain people of color groups, and so, and talks about like historical context, like historical trauma and history that plays a big part in why we don't see people of color out in nature. And so, I pride myself to learning as much as I can. Um As a person of color, working in wilderness therapy, I am the only wilderness um black wilderness therapist in the field as well too, and so that creates some pressure, but also is a big deal um for the program for the for the where I work and for me um, but yeah, I think that i 'm constantly learning what it is for my clients of color to be out in nature to be aware of some of the fears and the concerns that they have and also really challenging them and working alongside them of re um it's almost like you know deconstructing those narratives and redefining what nature means for them and how can they have a touch of nature um back at home even if they're in the city and they're in you know really big major cities um, what does it mean to be in touch with nature what have you learned here in this process of being in wilderness therapy how can you take it back even though it doesn't look exactly the same. You're not backpacking in the backcountry where there's nothing and nobody or a, um, a small group of people. So I think that's what I'm constantly learning is how to navigate those conversations with my clients, what that means for me, while still learning and um, getting insight from people like my boss that have a plethora of knowledge and understanding. Um, yeah. Trying to combine all of that. So many
0: things are like, so many lights are going off in my head. Um, <laughs> Gabby has always mentioned like that we would be people that got along and I feel like I know you because I've talked about you with Gabby and stuff like that and so yeah this is my best friend um right one of the things that I'm passionate about is and that at least personally I don't necessarily like you know talk about it a lot or whatever is that like well actually I do kind of in therapy the the need for people to get outside and be in nature and intentionally create a life where they're able to do that. Like Mm -hmm. I had to move offices because I was like, I need a window. Like I need some natural, light. I need sunlight to see some trees or something like that. And there's something so spiritual, like you mentioned about it there. And the Mm -hmm. crazy, the crazy thing is that originally everybody had a connection with being outside. Exactly. All. And so, this, and that's when understanding the cultural context and obviously, like, slavery and, mm-hmm. you know, racism and how the, all of that has been twisted and kind of, like, distorted and used against us to the point that, yeah, that that Black people don't want to go Black people don't go to therapy either, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Um, And so it's really challenging to kind of help people to get to a place where they're even willing to entertain the idea um, mm-hmm. and start to try uh try these different things out. And so funny because today I was at the school and they they just started a garden in the last couple of months. So every Friday the guy comes out and he teaches the kids about, you know, a lesson on gardening. And so today they were talking about they were talking about worms and he had a worm and I'm like I want to have plants like I want to have a little bohemian house, you know, with all these light colors and light brown and all these cute little plants and I was like, "However, I don't like bugs, you know, like, I also <laughs> live, like, in the city, and I'm so, it's, like, a very interesting experience, mm-hmm. I want to be connected to nature, but, like, only so much so, you know, I'm, like, I want yeah. it, but, uh, I'm kind of, I don't know, like, I don't want a drug to touch me or anything, so um, I love that you're kind of helping to change that narrative, deconstruct what that looks like, because at the end of the day originally we all were super connected to the land, spiritually physically oh. emotionally and so i feel like connect uh reconnecting with that helps us to heal from the trauma heal our relationships heal our ways of seeing ourselves and and so i absolutely love especially for oh. young people um that you know you're helping to do that work
1: yes and just even like um real quick final because this was such a powerful moment for me because often, yeah, I, I hear the stigmas of, you know, I have certain kid friends of color who would be like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. or you crazy? And da, 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 black people don't do that. And I always am like, okay, I can't, I can't own that for myself. Like I need to challenge um, those, those, those narratives in so many ways. But when you say, you know, being connected to your land provides so much healing. I was reading um, Dr. Joy DeGruy's book, um, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Such mm-hmm. a phenomenal book. I feel like every clinician should read it. Um, and she had talked in there about her trip to Africa. She went to Africa with several girlfriends of hers. It's like a pilgrimage type of visit, um, trip. And so she went and mind you, um, about probably like 10 years ago, I went to Kenya. I went to Kenya for seven weeks the first time. And then I loved it and fell. I just fell in love with Kenya so much that I went back, um, for three weeks again, a little bit later. And I just fell in love with it to the point where I cried and didn't want to come back here. And so in her book, she talks about that trip. I'll never forget. I'm on the plane. I had just went to Tennessee, gotten back from Tennessee, was coming back from Tennessee, doing my own work. I spent one week at an intensive, um, at onsite where they do intense therapy. And, and I spent a week kind of, you know, digging in my own work. Um, and I was coming back from that. It was already a powerful week for me, powerful and insightful week. And I'm reading, the healing chapter of her book where she talks about this trip to Africa with these ladies. And she talks about going to a certain, um, it, was, it was a gathering, a certain gathering in that, in that um, community that she was in. And the lady, she was trying really hard not to cry so much. The la- uh, uh, African lady comes out, African lady tells her, oh, you don't need to cry because you're, this is you coming back home. Like you're returning back home to your land and like and she talks about this powerful experience that she had just knowing that she's on land that is her home that was taken away from her from historical context and and i remember crying because immediately at that moment i remembered when i went to kenya i was like why is it that when i when i was in kenya it was like this this spiritual healing for me it was this place of um just like I was home and the land and the nature. It was beautiful. It was green. And there was an area where I would hike up, almost similar to what my mom would tell me, the stories of how she would hike up to a mountain and pray for just for safety, for her pregnancy and stuff. There was like this area where I would hike up every morning while I was there and I would just sit there and I would just like sit in silence and just take in the scenery and the nature um, in the town that we were in. And it was Bungoma, And so yeah, it was just, I started to sob and cry because I'm like, that makes sense. That's why I was feeling what I was feeling because it was a healing experience for me on the land that I was on. And so, and being in nature and being there in the context in it. So I think there's so much truth to that. And I, I hope, and I can just pray that I will continue to provide that for the clients that I work with, that there's this understanding of how you're connected to land and how it can be healing when you're distracted from the front country and all the distractions that's there with technology and such and let's let's take a break right and just deregulate um or regulate right our emotions and our feelings and kind of work with some of our trauma and just be in this place of healing so it just reminded me of that but that was a very it was crazy
0: i literally got goosebumps and like that's exactly some of the work that me and my cousin do aside from therapy we have a nonprofit is just to take yeah. it back to you know back to Africa and I just I always I always just seek for people to just wherever it is get out of wherever you grew up in to see the world because I feel like that broadens your horizons and it's humbling mm-hmm. and it really puts things in, a, in perspective in a way that you can't just like see in a book or or you know or watch a YouTube video or something like that yeah. so I think that experiential piece is so important. And I had a supervisor who said, you know, people tend to change in three different ways, either through insight, behavior, or experience. And Mm -hmm. experience tends to be one of the most, the most long lasting or the most impressionable way Mm -hmm. that someone can change because we learn, we learn most things through experience, you know what I mean? And so, Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's so good to be able to tap into that. I always, me and my, one of my colleagues, um, Shani always talk about like therapy is just not enough. She gardens. So she's like, I want to be able to have my clients come in the garden and put their Mm -hmm. hands in the dirt, put their feet in the dirt Uh, and, and, you know, be able to have conversations outside or take walks or, and so it's, I think that for some people that are like, healers or clinicians specifically like therapy and stuff like that it almost feels like a limitation to be in an office in a room and you know what (laughs) I mean for an hour um trying to unpack everything but um, hopefully all of us are finding our way to how we are going to do our best work with our clients. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to whatever books you decide to write whenever <laughs> they come out and <laughs> 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 the work that you're, that you're, um, going to do and let me know if you need some assistance. Cause I got you, but uh, oh, yeah, great, great. Where can we find you, where can we support you? How can we learn more about, you know, evoke therapy or evoke i don't know if that's what it's called but i just made it up um <laughs> more about the 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 way that people can get connected and find you and also the work that you do
1: yeah um so you can go to evoketherapy.com um, that's for that's the program and, and there is all the resources everything is there um we also have the finding you podcast Uh, It's a podcast for, I mean, all things therapy, (laughs) all things therapy. And there are interviews there. I even had a podcast there um, kind of just talking a little bit about the work that I do specifically with my clients out in wilderness. And so there's that. And it has so much, just so much psychoeducation and really some amazing things that are done by Dr. Brad Reedy. Um, so I would, I would go there. Um, we, you can follow me on Instagram at Sedora wellness. That's where I do a lot of my representation of people of color out in wilderness. And without, um, you know, obviously seeing my clients cause I want to protect my clients confidentiality. Uh, you can see like a little bit of, Oh wow. Like this is what she does. Th- this is what, this is what they do. It's so awesome. And so um, yeah. And evoke therapy also has a, Instagram handle as well too, which is evoke therapy. Uh, I do have, I'm in the process of kind of, um, you know, building a business and kind of building that from the ground up. And there's a website that will be out and running soon. And so look out for that. Cause that will be probably, I mean, it will be posted and shared on my Instagram, uh, and yeah, so that'll come out soon with a lot of resources. And that's what I plan to have is a lot of resources for families and for um, adolescents and in regards to, you know, just experiential work. And even trans, I do a lot of transracial adoption work. Um, working with transracial adoption work is a lot of what I do out in the field in wilderness therapy. And so really providing resources for those families as well, too, because so we know they need the support and they need the help. So, yeah.
0: We will definitely make sure to follow you on all of those platforms and keep up with what you're doing. And I personally just appreciate your willingness to come on the show and share a little bit about yourself and a little bit about um, what you do with everybody, because I think that that is a part of just my mission in doing this is just helping to spread the word and share information and have as many people know about what's going on out there and how people overcome challenges and what their options are as far as finding peace and joy and healing. So I really, I really thank you for being a champion in the field
1: and, Mm -hmm. and
0: can pressing on, you know, pressing on in the face of challenges. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Justin, for having me on the show and just for caring enough to even reach out to me. Like, we've never even met face to face, but you're just, you're, you followed me, you like cheer me on. And it's been really nice to be able to have that support from someone I've never met face to face. It just shows like, I just love when especially Black women support Black women, like, really support them. And so I. I just really appreciate you for that because that tells me that you see me and we see one another. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for this platform and what you're doing and how you're interviewing people and you're sharing the work because we do need to get the work out there and you are pioneering that and that support and really supporting um, other people for the work that they do. So I just want to thank you and your, your spirit is amazing for that, seriously.
0: Thank you. Well, I told you we're best friends, so <laughs> we just haven't met in
1: person yet. Right? <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> it's on its way. <laughs> but we got to make it happen. We got to make it happen.
0: Right. Okay. Well, thank you again. And I will talk to you next time, Gems.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care.
0: you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.